So tonight is our final study in our series of just introducing, hopefully, the direction God's going to lead us as a ministry of D1. And with that, we always say that you've got to be one to D1. For me to disciple someone, I've got to be a disciple myself. And there are instructions that we follow throughout our life. And I guess based on the task that is given to you, that will kind of determine how specific the instructions have to be. If I were to ask you to just take a piece of paper that's on the floor and throw it in the garbage, I wouldn't have to be that detailed. I wouldn't need to say, okay, now, I, I'm asking you if you would, if you would bend over and I want you to, with your left hand, I want you to pick up this piece of paper. Be sure you use your left hand because as you're going on this journey to throw this in the garbage, you might need your right hand because someone might want to shake your hand. And in this culture in the United States, we shake hands with the right. So make sure you it in your left hand. As you've got it, I want you to walk towards this trash can over here. Now, as you're going, there are chairs all along the way. You're going to need to dodge those chairs because that could be a tripping hazard. And if you trip over one of those chairs, you could drop the piece of paper. We've got to start all over again. So I need you to be extremely careful as you're walking to the garbage can. If you dodge all of these chairs, you should be fine. Now, there are tables in the middle, but just in case a table jumps out in front of you, you're going to need to sidestep that. Make sure you avoid the table too. Once you get to the refuse containment center, garbage can. I'm going to ask you to drop that into there. I wouldn't have to be that specific with that. I'd just say, hey, would you throw that away? It's a lot easier. But there are certain things that you need specific instructions for. We've got a bunch of nurses over here. And I don't know exactly how to take that. I'm grateful y'all are here, but I'm wondering, like, is West End called y'all? Be sure to go to Crossroads because Kenny could die at any moment. <laughs> He's probably going to explode one day and y'all going to have to patch him up. But I am grateful for our nurses and doctors and all that to take care of us on our trips and here at Crossroads. There are things that they are told to do, and they have to be very specific in doing it. You don't just run around, oh, let me just throw this needle at you. They, they've got to give you the right kind of shot. When my sister was practicing to be a lab tech, that's the weirdest thing. She, was, she drew blood. She was a vampire, professional vampire. And when she was in school, she would come home, and that's when I was a muscle head, and I had veins that looked like, it was like a street map on my arm, and just big old finger veins in my arms. And she would just look at them, and her eyes would get big. I was like, what are you doing? She said, like, you got the best veins. And I was like, uh, okay. I didn't know how to take that. Then I would go see her at work, and when I would go to see her at work, I'd go, yeah, I'm here to see my sister. And they go, who's your sister? Wendy. And I would never call her the right name. I call her Wendy Martin. And they go, oh, oh, Bowden. Yeah, yeah, she's married for 20 years now. Yeah, Wendy Bowden. And they say, okay, oh, you're Kenny, aren't you? I go, uh-huh. They said, let's see your arm. And I go, what are you talking about? Because she would go, y'all got to see my brother's veins. They're like, Bleh. It was the weirdest thing. But you know, you have to be very specific if you're going to draw blood. You don't just punch them in the nose and stick a cup under it. That's not the way you get blood from somebody. You've got to know what you're doing. There are instructions that have to be followed. We've got to follow certain instructions based on how specific the instructions are given is based on how great the task is. And the task that we've been given from Jesus to go and make disciples, it's a very specific task. And there are very specific directions in doing that. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse, um, verse 19, please. Father, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Very specific. Go and make disciples. The first thing that we notice in that passage, it says go. This is the Great Commission. This is the last thing Christ gave instructions to his disciples. The instructions that he's given to his disciples are given for all of us, that we are to go and make disciples. What I need you to hear in that passage of Scripture, the first direction is to go. This passage of Scripture is not telling you to come to church. Now, I will tell you this. I harp on you about being in church because I believe it's important. Uh, I also read in God's Word where it says, Don't forsake the gathering of God's people, meaning we need to be coming together. So I see the value in this. You should be here together. You should be learning about God because that's how you get directions on who God is. That's how you come to an understanding is through studying who God is. Through our Sunday school, through our circle groups, it's an opportunity for you to grow in Christ because as you go, you need to know what you're talking about. One of the worst things that can ever happen to you is if you end up in a conversation that you have no idea about. Every time Jessica's around a bunch of teacher women, they get to talking. And it's the most awkward thing for me because I don't know anything about education. I just barely graduated. And they'll get to talking and they're talking about all these tests with letters and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just sitting there. And they'll turn and look at me and I'm just like... I don't know what they're talking about. I felt almost as dumb then the first time I was hanging out with the coaches. Coach Morrison. He was talking to the coaches. All right, now you're going to be lined up in the three and blah, 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 blah. And they're talking all this stuff. I was like, I played football my whole life. And I, I got coached the size of coach. Um, what's a three? And he just looked at me like, oh, gosh, Marty. He said, that's position here. I said, okay, so a two would be, said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, we didn't do that when I played football. He said, well, I know that, that stone was pretty heavy. Y'all had to throw around because y'all didn't have pigskins and stuff. And I was like, well, close. I said, they just told us, all right, that guy in front of you in a different jersey hit him. You hit them harder than they hit you. Football was real simple when I played. Now it's like you look to the sidelines and they're waving flags and doing all this stuff and giving symbols and somebody's holding up a sign of a pickle. I don't know what that means. There's just all kinds of signs. It's different. And I will stand there on the sidelines and hear the coaches yelling, you know that's a cover team, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, yeah. <laughs> no idea. If I'm going to share Christ with somebody, I need to know what I'm talking about. Not that I need to know every answer, but I need to have a basic understanding of what I'm trying to share with someone. And this is what we do when we come together here at church. That's why it's so important for us to come together to learn about this God that has created us for the purpose of making disciples. And he says that you are to go. That's a very specific instruction because making disciples, you've got to lead somebody to Christ. Someone has to be a follower of Christ before they can be discipled. And it's really interesting to think about that because you can come to church your whole life and you can learn about God, but you're not a true disciple because you're not following God until you surrender yourself to Him. There's a difference in there. And once someone is a follower of Christ, then they start getting discipled and understanding what it means to be a true follower of Christ. Now, real quick, I just want you to think about the first disciples, the apostles. In your mind, give me a description of an, an apostle. Or not in your mind, I need it out loud, sorry. <laughs> Got it, Kitty. <laughs> okay, out loud. And you can't be wrong. You can't be wrong in any way you want to describe a disciple. I heard something. Obedient. Obedient? Okay. Don't be afeard. Pretty rugged. Pretty rugged? Okay. 
Yeah, they probably didn't stay at the Hampton Inn. Tom Bodette didn't leave the light on for him. <laughs> Y'all probably don't even know that. God. Willing. Willing. All right, let's 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 go physical description. Bunch of misfits. Bunch of misfits. Rugged work for that one. I don't know if this is going to mess with your head, but it really messed with mine when I started studying the first disciples, the apostles that, that Christ chose. Every one of these disciples were under the age of 20 except for one. Everyone. <laughs> Y'all don't seem to be amazed by that. Because in my mind, when I hear about these apostles going and raising people from the dead and going with Jesus to feed the 5,000 and collecting all the food and going and doing all these magnificent things, I'm thinking of some older person that's like, well, I don't have much time left. I'll follow you. Slow down, Jesus. That's what my mind is. It's an old person because, let's face it, old folks they ain't got nothing else to do. They might as well go to church, right? That's my mind. That's the way it worked for years. And in my mind, that's the disciples. They're older people. They're wise people. They know so much about Christ. But they were your age. I said the youngest one was probably 12. What? Does that mess with y'all at all? Y'all looking at me like, okay. That blows my mind. And here's why it blows my mind. Well, I'll let you read why it blows my mind. Mark chapter 1. Uh, verses 16 through 18, please. One day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed That's what blows my mind. Jesus Christ chose teenagers to change the world. And you wonder why I harp on you about you need to be, you need to be, because Christ sees fit for a young person to rise up. And he chose these people, but here's what really blows my mind. They walked away from everything to follow Christ. They walked away from everything. It says that immediately they dropped their nets and they followed him. He said, follow me. And they said, okay. And it wasn't because their job was too bad. It was like, I ain't got nothing else to do. They knew that there was something special with this guy named Jesus. They had been hearing about Jesus, and when he came to them, they had to follow him. Now, what does that look like in your life? If Christ came to you and said, follow me, and you dropped your nets, what would that look like? For some, it would be you've got to give up your sport that you're involved in. For some, it would be you have to give up your band that you're involved in, or your blast from the past, or, or your studies. And a lot of you would be like, yes, I'd be glad to throw my textbooks down to follow Jesus. Uh, for some of you, it would be you've got to let go of your phone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I mean, I love Jesus. No, don't get twisted, Kenny. I'm just saying. They left the comfort of their homes. They left their families. And here's what I'm saying. I don't expect you to come in next week in sackcloth and a pair of handmade sandals from the hide of your favorite pet. I don't expect that at all right now, y'all. I hate you, kitty. That's my puppy. Uh, I'm not expecting any of that. 
But what I want it to do and what it's doing for me is, is helping me understand what my commitment truly is to God. Because I'll stand before you and say that I am a committed follower of Christ. But there are certain things that I've not let go of because it just, it's just tough to let go. It's tough for us to let go. But Christ, for us to follow Him, these disciples were willing to give up everything just to do that. So if we are to follow Him, that's where we get our direction for becoming that disciple. The reason the disciples were as amazing as they are is because they followed Him. They were with Him all the time, learning from the greatest teacher that has ever walked this earth, Jesus Christ. He showed them what it meant to be a follower. He showed them what it meant to have faith in God. He showed them what it meant to love unconditionally. He showed them what it meant to be compassionate towards people. They watched what He did, and they did likewise. As a follower of Christ, we are to set that example. How many of you were here Sunday morning? Okay. Who in here knows what pie is this year? No adults, please. Good. I had to look it up. That's <laughs> terrible. I had to look. But I had two more years of pie going through my head, and I was like, public, ignorant, I don't know. So, positive, influential example. And that's what we're supposed to be as followers of Christ. We're supposed to be that positive example that people see. That positive example. Um, my father taught me a lot of stuff when I was a kid. He taught me how to work on cars. He taught me the importance of knowing how to cut a tree down and standing on the proper side of that tree when you cut it down. He showed me a lot of things in my life. My mother showed me a lot of things in my life. And the way they gave me instructions, it wasn't just something that was written in a book. My father didn't walk up to me and go, son, this is all about chainsaws. I want you to read it. I want you to pray over this book. I want you every day just to read part of this book and write what it says. It says to pull that cord. Nah. Daddy said, hey, come here, boy. Let me show you something. <laughs> now, what you going to do? You're going to grab that chainsaw right there. Uh, chainsaw right there. Yeah, you're going to get that saw right there. He didn't quite talk like that, but it makes the story more fun. And so he said, get that saw. I said, yes, sir. And I get that saw, and I'm standing up with it, and it was green. It was a poolan or a poland or however you say it. And I grabbed that bad boy up. He said, all right, crank it. I went, okay. Go. He just looked at me. I said, Daddy, I don't know how to crank it. Good Lord, son. My dad was really encouraging. And so uh, he said, hold it in your left hand. I said, okay. And I'm holding my left hand. He said, now you see that little thing? It looks like you can grab it. I said, yes, sir. He said, that's why it's built that, just like that. You can grab it. I said, okay. He said, now pull it. I said, okay. And I went, and I let go with this hand as I pulled. <laughs> and the saw bounced across the ground a couple times. And I my dad, there's been a lot of things I've done to embarrass my family. My father in that moment was probably like, oh, gosh. May this tree fall on him and we forget he was ever born. Because as the saw is bouncing, we didn't have money for a new saw. If I broke that saw, oh, we're going to be karate chopping it down. But fortunately, the saw didn't break. And my father said, all right, son, um, we're going to take this a little bit slower. Pick up the saw. <laughs> okay. And I picked it up. He said, hold on to it when you pull. Oh, okay. And so I hold on to it, and I'm trying my best to pull it. I didn't have enough scrumpf. I was just a little boy. I couldn't pull it hard enough to crank it. And it was an old chainsaw. I think it was probably five, six hundred years old. 
and then finally it cranked. And when it cranked, I was so excited. And he said, now as soon as it cranks, you grab that trigger and you start giving it some gas. I said, yes, sir. And I, and I grabbed it and that thing started screaming. And it's just going, just screaming while I was going, yeah. And I'm so excited because I had cranked the chainsaw. And my father is standing way away from me because I'm like, hey, Dad, look. Hey, Dad. And he's going, put it down. Like, yeah, we're going to put it down. Yeah. He said, put the saw down. And I sat on the ground. And he's just sitting there. I cranked it, Daddy. And he was like, yes, you did, son. Hey, go get me an apple. I said, yes, sir. Mom, I cranked these saw. I need an apple. And I go back, and the tree's on the ground. I was like, wow, I'm good. I cranked the saw, and the tree just fell. I was like, oh, no, huh? My dad gave me instructions on how to do this. He said, son, when you're cutting this tree, first thing you got to do is you got to look up in the top and you've got to see which way it's leaning. You got to look for the dead stuff that's in the tree. Because if you're cutting and there's something dead in it, it could fall out on you and kill you. Boom. He's giving me all these instructions. And he says, you want to cut a wedge. If you want the tree to fall here, you want to cut a wedge on this side. You want to come from the back side. Blah, 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 blah. He's giving me all these instructions. And I understood exactly what he said, but I had to watch him do it. And he said, now I want you to look at a hickory tree right there. And I said, how do you know it's a hickory tree? He said, look at the bark. And I went, oh, I have no idea. Brian Smith will do that to you. You need to get Brian just carry around in the woods sometimes. Whoa, would you look at that? Look at that tree. That's a blah, 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 blah. I'm going, yeah, yeah, a tree. <laughs> no idea. I tell you what a pine tree is. That's about it. The rest of them, they're trees. I don't know. If it's a telephone pole, it was a tree. That's all I got. But my father said, look at that hickory tree. We're going to lay this white oak right down beside it. I was like, yeah, we are. And he showed me exactly how to do it. And sure enough, he laid that tree six inches from where he had pointed. And I thought, my father is the most amazing man in the world. To this day, I still think he is. But it was just the coolest thing. I had to watch what he was doing to understand what I was supposed to do when it was my turn. And these disciples followed Jesus everywhere he went, and they watched what he did. They watched what he did. They watched how he did things. They learned from who he was. He was that positive, influential example to them. And we learn so much better when we put our eyes on it. We can study from a book. But until we get our hands on something, it doesn't make as much sense. Talking about our nurses, I've got a friend that's a doctor. And he says, I studied all these books. He said, but it wasn't until I made the first incision on a person that I understood. And I was like, that's sick. He said, it's so cool, Kenny. And I was like, you are a sick individual. Melissa is a sick individual. She cuts watermelons at the beach retreat and she just smiles the whole time. She just goes, and I'm just running the other way. Until you actually are doing it, it's hard for you to understand how it's supposed to be done. Barrett's learning how to drive. He's doing great. He's doing so much better than I did when I was learning how to drive. I had an old, old Vega. Y'all don't, but y'all do. And it was a five-speed, kind of. And it cranked sometimes. And my father's like, all right, boy, you got to learn how to drive that stick shift. And I was like, of course I do. <sighs> And I got an exit and I pushed clutch in, and I'd watched my daddy do it for years. Every vehicle he had was a manual transmission. And I got in that little bitty car, it's about the size of this. 
And I squeezed in that side, and Daddy squeezed in the other side, and we're shoulder to shoulder. He said, all right, you got the clutch in? Yes, sir. He said, crank it. And it wouldn't crank. So it's already broke, Dad. He said, that's the brake. <laughs> push the clutch. Oh. And I push the clutch in. And I'm just holding it as hard as I can. I was about to Fred Flintstone it through the floorboard. He said, all right, crank it. And I cranked it. He said, all right, you're going to put it in first gear. Now, once it gets in first gear, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start letting off the clutch. And as soon as you feel it pulling a little bit, I want you to give it a little gas. Yes, sir. You think you can do that, son? Yes, sir. Do you think you can do what I just told you to do? Of course I can, Daddy. I got this. He said, all right, let's go. I didn't know a little bitty car could jump. <laughs> but if you dump the clutch and hammer the gas, that little thing says, it jumped about eight inches. It was a little car and we were two big people in it. And my dad's head hits the windshield and he's like, good Lord, son. That was his brain. And so he said, knock it out of gear, knock it out of gear, knock it out of gear. Quick. So it's out of gear. And he starts going through the instructions again. My son, I was like, all right, son, gave him the exact same instructions. I said, you think you can do what I told you? Yes, sir. I said, all right, let's go. He has no trouble whatsoever. He's popping wheelies, doing donuts. We flip three times, lands on the top. Woo! He's got it. No problem whatsoever. Cars are coming by. He's like, what's up, player? You know, he's laid down, cagoon. He's, he's got it. But he's been watching somebody else do it. If we are going to do what we are called to do, the instruction needs to be something that we have observed. And the people that are in our life, we need to watch. We need to learn from these older people. I never understood how important it was to hang out with older folks until I got older. It's so important because the wisdom they have helps us become better people. And for so many of us, the last thing we want to do is sit around with a bunch of old folks. But we can gain so much wisdom from them. And those that are followers of Christ, they give us such insight into what it means to be a follower of Christ. To actually go through the trials and stand strong because our faith is found in Christ. As a positive influential example, you have been watching people. You have been studying who God is. And you have the opportunity to be that to people. We talked last week about how important it was in selecting your friends. Because that's one of the things that we're all going to have at some point in our life. We're going to have relationships with people. And they're going to be big tight relationships. They're going to be loose relationships where we're not quite as close. But in all these relationships, we've got this connection. But even in that connection, there's always going to be one person. And it's not that they stand out because they're better. There's just somebody that's always going to be the one that comes up with the idea of what y'all need to do. Right? You get a group of your friends together. Somebody's going to say, hey, let's go get something to eat. Yeah. This is a great idea. I was just thinking about nothing. <laughs> okay, so we'll get something to eat. Hey, let's make a TikTok video, whatever you do. I don't know. Hey, let's, hey, let's, hey, let's. One person's the one that's willing to take the chance. One person's the one that's willing to, to step out there and lead. But the beautiful thing about Christ is, as a follower of Christ, we all have that opportunity and that ability to be one to D1. We can lead people. Because we have something inside of us that a lot of folks don't understand. And it's Jesus Christ living in us. Why not be the one that leads? And it doesn't mean that you're going to be the one walking across the stage in front of everyone. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the loudest one in the group. But it means you're going to be the one that's got the spiritual 
ground that's rooted in Christ. Probably one of the neatest things I've seen in a while this morning, three of our students posted what they've been studying, posted Bible verses on their social media. And you have no idea what that means to me, just to see that you're getting it. That opportunity to lead somebody, to help them grow in Christ. And what some of you don't know is last week we had a challenge that we presented to the 10th and 11th and 12th graders, those that chose to stay. And in that challenge, there's a devotion book that I gave them. And in that devotion book, it's a 40-day devotion book. And then for 40 days, their challenge is to daily do one of these Bible studies, one of these devotions, and journal about it. And it's all about discipleship. That's what this whole thing is about. Because in 40 days, some of you are going to be given that book from some of these students. And they're going to give you that same challenge. And I didn't share this part with our older group last week. But when you pick that person, when you give them that book, I want them to write their name in that book as well. And of course, we talked about you take a picture with them and put it out there on social media. But I also want to make sure that you have their phone number. So during the next 40 days, because you've been journaling, you're going to know where they are. And you'll be able to send them a text and go, hey, what did you read today? Holding them accountable to what it means to to come closer to God. Follow me. Somebody's got to be the one that leads. Why not you? Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 13, <clears throat> it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. One of the things that you will find is as you continue to try to grow closer to Christ, things are going to change within you. Decisions that you make, things that, that have always been on the front is not going to be quite as important to you. And people will notice that there's a difference in you. It's, it's just one of these things. When you have the light, people can tell there's a difference. Um, there was a movie, movie back in the 80s. It was called The Last Dragon. And it's made in New York City. And it's a black guy that's a karate guy. And he would get the glow. That's what it was called at the end of the movie. The whole movie, he's trying to get... His name was Bruce Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time and he's fighting the villain of course in a good karate movie you gotta have a villain the villain's name was show enough right so show enough has the glow but it's not a good glow and towards the end of the movie Bruce Leroy gets the glow and everyone that's around and seeing this they're drawn to that now you're not gonna become a, a ninja you're not going to become a karate master. But when Christ is living in and through you, there is something different about you. 
And people are attracted to that. They don't know why. It's like we talk about all the time. It's like that light that a bug is attracted to. A bug has no idea why it's attracted to that light, but it's got to get there. It's got to be there. It wants to be there. We've got a frog that's about the size of my thumb, and it hangs out on the window uh, in our kitchen. And, of course, its belly's on the, on the glass, and it's just sitting there because bugs are attracted to the light that's coming from our house. And sure enough, that, that frog just sits there. That's where he goes for his dinner, and it just hangs out there. And these bugs keep coming up, and you hear them hitting the window. Some of the bugs are bigger than that frog, but that frog's just sitting there because he knows that they're going to come. And a bug doesn't understand why but they're attracted to it. When Christ is living in you and when you are allowing Him to do something through you, people want a part of that action. They don't know why, but they're going to be around you because there's something about positivity that we're all drawn to. People see something positive in you. It shines the light of Christ. That's something that can't be hidden. And you have that opportunity to shine that light to others. And here's the thing I need you to understand, teenagers. Your light shines bright enough that it won't just affect your peers, it'll affect everyone that's around you, whether it's little children or whether it's us adults. I got more encouraged this morning by seeing a simple post from three students about a devotion they're reading and a Bible verse than I got about most of anything this week. It was so encouraging. It was a bright light. You have that opportunity to shine your light every day. And when you shine that light, people are going to follow you. So I would ask you, are you willing to be the one to look at everyone else and say, follow me because I'm going to lead you to Christ? Or are you going to wait for somebody else to do it? God tells us in His Word that if we don't cry out the, ma the majesty of who God is, that the rocks would cry out. My prayer is that you wouldn't let a rock have a voice, that you would be the one singing the glory of who God is, and people would see that difference in your life, and people would be following you to find who Christ is. Let's pray.